Hello, my name is Charles Johnson, and this is the Alabama Entrepreneur Podcast. Alabama entrepreneurs telling their stories, giving us a better understanding of the small business experience. Charlotte Wessel, owner of Buckets and Blooms. Charlotte, what has been a specific extraordinary customer service experience you have given as a small business? Well, one story that comes to mind, and it's not really even, I don't really think it's extraordinary because I think that as a wedding vendor, you expect, your clients expect you to be there and do everything that's necessary. But we had a beautiful wedding at the Botanical Gardens and we had spent all morning setting it up outside and it was a pretty hot day. We got all the inside set up and spent a lot of time on, it had a lot of details for this wedding. And even though it was a small wedding, it was a lot of details. Actually, I didn't have a huge crew that day. I had some friends helping me, which is another crazy kind of story. They had all left and I was kind of piddling around, just making sure everything was okay later than I normally should have been. And I heard someone on the botanical gardens, like with their little walkie-talkies, screaming, flowers down, flowers down outside. And a huge wind had come through, just straight line. I mean, I call them straight line winds, like I'm James Spann or something. But like they had just come through and knocked the two urns off the pedestals. And they were at the back of the aisle. So it was right where you were walking in. I thought, I mean, I had waited on I had done everything, you know, that I thought was good enough, but it wasn't. So the flowers were everywhere and I'm running out there and it was, we had plenty of time to get them fixed. We got them fixed and everything redone and, you know, just, I don't really even think that's extraordinary. I think that that's just what's expected of me and my business and how to provide the best customer service, you know, and I, I'm not going to say who the bride was because I'd Hopefully, she doesn't even know that her flowers took a tumble. Well, that is definitely <laughs> exceptional customer service, whether you see it or not. Yeah. But that is because a lot of places aren't able to provide that kind of custom service, which is great. So, all right. Well, there you have it. Charlotte's exceptional customer service story. Buckets and Blooms believe that every flower has a story, each with its own sentimental beauty. They embrace the classic timeless look of flowers, all while infusing their distinct taste for the unexpected. Whether you're planning a wedding, a rehearsal dinner, or a special event, they focus on floral design that captures a sense of elegance, yet feels very personal. They strive to source their flowers locally, but also source the highest quality from around the world while gathering special touches from their own gardens. To find out more, go to bucketsandblooms.com. Now, Charlotte, you grew up in Alabama. Your love for flowers started really at a very young age. Can you tell us about this experience? Yeah, I grew up in Anniston. My mom actually worked for a floral designer, Juliet Doster, who I'm just was so fond of and her family. But my mom did flowers with her. They would let me tag along occasionally. And that's actually where the buckets of buckets and blooms came from because I was hauling buckets everywhere, even from like a little bitty age. That was, I was not worthy of touching the flowers yet. Juliet 
would let me touch the flowers, just not my mom. And I remember being at a reception and I was standing, I probably was eight or nine when I was little, standing on a ladder and Juliet was handing me roses to put in an arrangement and my mom lost it. Like she came in the room and was like, she cannot do that, you know. Anyway, and my mom loved the yard and just, I mean, she always, we might, she would drive this paneled station wagon and we might have not really stolen some flowers because that wouldn't be right. Not, but maybe like we always had some clippers available if some public pruning was necessary at a, an abandoned somewhere. We might've snipped some, some things <laughs> every, way. yeah, along the way. She just, she worked in the yard and I don't even know if, I don't think I worked in the yard with her. I mean, I just know we probably talked about it a lot and it just became part of kind of who we were. She would be embarrassed for me to say this, but she was not really a good cook. Now, my sister thinks she was a good cook, but I didn't really think she was a good cook. But the table was always pretty. Like, it was always set with beautiful china and crystal and silver, but always flowers on the... I mean, not for a Tuesday night meal, but for anything special, it was a pretty table. That's kind of where it all started and came from. So you pretty much had sort of a hand in floral design most of your life. Yeah, I think so. When I, one thing that she did, she was over our churches. She started our church's flower guild in Anniston. And so I was always with her setting up, arranging the flowers there and just seeing it. And I mean, Christmas, she built this crazy poinsettia tree that I've never seen anything like in my life. I mean, it was massive. She loved it so much. She would go water it every, you know, just totally take care of it. And I would always tag along with her. So then she made me join our flower guild when I moved to Huntsville because she just thought that that was what you did. And so I kind of did it. All right. Well, fast forward to raising a family. Your oldest away at college and your youngest is a senior in high school. Did you decide to open your business later in life because you wanted to have more time with your children? Yeah, I think I waited. Well, I think it was a hobby at first. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I did, um, I was working for the hospital. I was a drug rep and then I worked for the hospital for a long time. And I, and I was on our church's flower guild and I love doing flowers. And my friends were always like, will you do an arrangement for me for a party or this? And I was, you know, I was just kind of going to the wholesale florist or getting some flowers from the grocery store. I hadn't really gotten into my yard much then. I mean, I had a couple of things, but not enough to produce anything worthwhile. I was like, well, maybe I should kind of move into this. And my first thing I did before it was a business was I was like, I'm just going to sell some Valentine's Day flowers. And I remember like putting it on Facebook and thinking, I've lost my mind. Like, I've been to the Dollar Tree. I'd gotten bowls. Like, I didn't know, like, I wanted to do inexpensive containers. I looked at the pictures recently, and I'm like, I need to go delete all of these. I mean, but my, and then it was just like porch pickup. They, I don't know, I guess they paid me. I don't know. I probably had an envelope on a card table on the porch, and I left them all out there, and people came and got them. And, you know, I thought, well, dang. I mean, okay. Maybe I can start doing that. But yeah, I guess I wanted to be with my, I mean, I started later, not necessarily to be with my kids more then, but I kind of wanted something when they were off at college. You know, like I wanted to have something, I wanted to grow into something that um, while they were, once they were gone, I had something to move into. And once kids start driving, you know, they kind of start having their own life. 
They do. They don't depend on you as much. They, so. they need you as much. They just don't think they do. Right. <laughs> All right. So your business opened officially in 2017. So what happened to make you push yourself into the entrepreneur world? Well, I think originally it started off as a blog. Like I was, my husband had gotten his MBA and um, he was kind of changing careers and my mom had gotten sick and I'm like, I'm going to do something. I'm going to show the world all the beautiful flowers. And it was really about showing people writing and posting other people's flowers, you know, like other things that I thought was pretty, that I thought would be pretty for other people to see. So I had a friend help me. My friend Lauren came up with the name. Then my friend Lori made me a, a logo. You know, it's like, hey, I think I'm going to do this. Oh, okay, well, let me do this. And then we pick some colors and, you know, I get someone to help me do a, a WordPress blog. And I'm computer illiterate on things like that. And she made me, like, come meet with her for an hour each time and do it. It was fairly painful. But I did it. Like, I did it. And then the blog kind of just morphed into, well, gosh, maybe I need to make this legit. <laughs> You know, because it just kind of changed from me showing other people's flowers to me posting some of my own and what I was doing. And it just kind of turned into, I didn't have a performa. I didn't like come up with a business plan. It was just like, well, I mean, my husband's very much like, you've got to make this legit. Like you cannot just keep collecting cash from people and funneling, you know, buying flowers, then not making money, then telling them what the flowers cost and then you paying that and you've spent all day doing that. He's like, this is, you just got to figure out how to do it better. And what great support from a husband, right? Oh yeah. I mean, all of my family, I mean, they're my, I don't like to use them as, but they help me clean up weddings. They help me. I mean, I had a huge wedding in um, February and John went to Birmingham with me for three nights and you know, he gets us lunch, drives us, I mean, you know, has to drive the van around so we don't have to park and get out. And I mean, it's, yeah, both kids clean up for me. They'll show up at midnight and I pay them not very much (laughs) (laughs) and not enough, but yeah, but they, they, yeah, everyone I've, I have not fired John from cleanup, but he expires too (laughs) much earlier than midnight. So he's not that good at that anymore but yeah so can you take us when someone comes to you and they're wanting to do a wedding or an event can you take us through how your business model is set up for clients from the start to the planning to the implementing all the way to the end how does that work when do you receive payment things like that well, it is kind of different. COVID has kind of messed up a lot of this and my model has kind of changed because we had to reschedule so many, you know, we really lost about a year and some people rescheduled and some people didn't. But typically I would send someone to my website to make sure that financially we align, that I can provide for them what they want. It's planning a wedding is really scary for, I mean, it's a lot of money and I want to make sure that people are that they like my style. I mean, I can, of course, go to different styles, but I think it's important that they like what they read and what they see. So if they usually go to my website, read about it, look at my Instagram, and then um, fill out an inquiry form, we see if the date works. Um, We set up a phone call to kind of just chat about what they want. If we think it's something to, if I have the date available and they want to move forward, I get a deposit to hold the date. 
And I don't really, a lot of times it can be a year to 18 months out. I have a hard time planning something that far out because so much changes. And maybe what a bride wants a year at the very beginning is really not what they want at the end. I don't like to set things in stone really early. I like them to get through their process a little bit. Then we usually meet at the venue, plan out specifics. I give more of an estimate. It's really a proposal, not an estimate of what everything's going to cost. Then if the family agrees to it, then they usually pay me half on that date and then the half like a month before the wedding, the rest of it from the month before the wedding. I do feel like that brides do change their mind because they're so overwhelmed at first that we need to really give them some time to, you know, just really absorb being engaged and getting married and what's important to them. How did you learn to write a proposal? Because that's not always easy. It's awful. And before you give it to somebody, you have to make sure that all the... Yeah. Everything is in line with what you need because once you forget something going back... It's hard to go back. And it's, you know, flowers are up about 40% right now from... So what has happened too is I've had several weddings that I priced it before the increase. You just kind of have to eat that a little bit. But I'm much better at proposals now. I've had a lot of training and um, and just talking with friends. And we um, I have a group of friends that we kind of share prices with each other and um, best practices and right. kind of see what other people are doing in similar communities. I mean, I share with some friends here, but also with some friends in similar size communities. It's not really, I mean, I've got great friends in San Francisco, but I can't share prices with them. I can share best practices and systems and that, but I can't, you know, we're, it's a different market. But yeah, proposals are hard. I have learned though that I totally charge for cleanup. I'm not, I'm not going back at midnight without getting paid for that anymore because it's, it's a lot of, you know, after a full week of working, it's hard to show up at 11 and have an hour to get everything cleaned up. Now, some, some events are worse than others because the bigger ones, I mean, it's just a lot. So you end up having to take a crew back to do that, but I'm, I'm doing that because it's all my, it's my hard goods. It's all my stuff. I want that back so I can wash it and get it prepared to hopefully use again. If I leave it up to someone else, I don't always, I may not get it back. And I mean, that's in my contract that it has to be replaced, but it's still like, I'd rather make sure I'm, I'm the one getting it back. Are there any services that you stay away from doing? This is kind of interesting because I, this is what I struggle with is like, I get a lot of people like, will you do, uh, will you deliver a bouquet today? Will you take this to the hospital? Will you, and that's not really my business. I mean, now if I have flowers in my yard, like if things are blooming and it's, I can leave it on my porch for someone to pick up. Or for me, if I don't, and it's the middle of the winter and I have to go buy flowers and someone wants a, just say a $50 arrangement, I have to go buy the flowers that which you really can't even buy for 50. It's not like I have a cooler full of, I don't keep flowers except for events, except for what I have in my yard. So I can usually do like little one-offs during bloom seasons, but it's just, it's, I'm more of an event person. So, you know, like I had someone today ask me if I would do a corsage for homecoming and I'm like, well, no. I mean, you know, and I send them to a real, like a florist who has a, a shop with coolers that have people making all the corsages. 
Why did you decide to make this a limited liability company? Tax reasons, I guess, uh, number one. But two, it gives me the flexibility if I want to add some partners down the road, which I toy with that a lot. I would love to have a partner. So what did it take to open your business? Like, how did you prepare to get it open? Well, I will say John, my husband, did most everything for me. I mean, I did go get my business license. You know, I did my business license. I created the LLC. I met with an accountant or our accountant who helped me set up everything. I got all my kind of best practice forms and everything ready for when clients would come in and what I was going to do. But honestly, nothing has the same as it was in 2017. It's all evolved into different ways. I was not prepared. Right. Did you buy a lot of vases or did you keep many things in stock like bows and... Oh gosh, I've got... uh, So when we built our house and I built a flower room is what I kept calling it. it. And I was really thinking it was going to be more like a potting shed kind of, but it had a window and it has huge tall ceilings and that has become that's my studio. Then we had another little room off the garage that was John's that had all the all the guy stuff. And it has hit the road. And that's a storage. And then I've added shelves all in the garage on one side of it where I keep everything. You know, you collect because you don't want every... You want to give people choices. You don't want every wedding to look alike. But it's probably time for me to do heavy-duty clean-out. How did you set up with your vendors? Do you have close relationship with vendors? Or do you go to the Atlanta Mart? Do you go to different places to try to find what it is that you're looking for to add value to these events, weddings, all those things? I, yeah, I'll go to market sometimes, but I really just find market overwhelms me. And I spend a lot of money when I do that because I have spent all my profit doing that, thinking that I might need it. Like, So there's specific flower people that sell vessels and containers and stuff that I just have accounts with. You know, the ribbon people are pretty easy and, I mean, the reps are pretty accessible. They can send you samples if you want. And honestly, like if I see a friend in, you know, San Francisco or Oregon or whatever that has a container, I'm like, where did you get it? And they tell me and either I open a, you know, an account with them or I already have one. So, you know, that's usually how that works. I try to only buy when it's necessary because I can just waste a lot of money doing that. People that have never been to the Atlanta Mart really cannot truly understand the magnitude of those buildings and all the floors and everything that's in there because it is it is overwhelming. Well, I want to leave with jewelry. I mean, I want to leave, I mean, and clothes. Like, I don't, I mean, like I get so, it's like squirrel. Like you're going down, I'm like, oh, who knew I needed like 30 pashminas? I mean... And you're getting, right? Uh, But you're getting kind of a look at things that the general population hadn't even seen yet. Right. And so you're getting to see things for the first time. It's overwhelming. It's exciting. Yeah. Uh, But you really have to kind of plan your day. uh, You have to have a plan. Yeah. get anything done. I worked at Market right out of college. You did? In a showroom. Mm -hmm. I sold... This was like in 1994, and it was a summer, like, I just worked for a showroom for a summer. He tried to get me to go, like, be a rep for him, but I didn't, I just didn't think I could do it. But we sold to Sundance, the cat, the catalog, and it was kind of rustic stuff, and I didn't even like it. Like, I didn't like, wasn't my style at all. I mean, now I probably would like it, but I remember, 
I sold that person like $200,000 worth of like rusted candlesticks for their catalog. And I thought, this is the craziest thing I have ever seen (laughs) in my life. Like, how are they going to sell these, you know? And that was just a normal buy for them. It wasn't anything... Isn't that interesting? Outrageous, yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's overwhelming there. Yeah, it's they, fun. And they found their niche of people, another business that who could have known that that would have done so well. But obviously, if they're spending that kind of money, yeah. they know what's going on. Exa- I could be exaggerating that now, but it seemed like that much then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could have. I mean, I don't know. You mentioned San Francisco and Oregon. So you've been to some flower uh, arranging shops out there. Yeah. You know some people that have been in this industry a long time that you kind of collaborate with. Yeah. Can you talk about that experience and how that helps you with your business? Well, I think when I first started off that my, I love to travel. In this phase of my life, I have loved being around flower people, like or people who share that interest with me. And so I think my whole goal was just to pay for these workshops, like to do enough business to pay for them because they're crazy expensive. A lot of them are, but I have really enjoyed doing that and going, I mean, I've had one, Max Gill, who is my like flower idol, I think. He's, I've been to several of his workshops and he just, the clientele out there is kind of different too. Like it's, their weddings are a lot in vineyards and, you know, they're mostly seated dinners and just, you know, and a Southern wedding is kind of different. It's more of a cocktail party and a big band party and theirs might last a whole weekend, but it is, it's been really, it was important for me to see his process or all the workshops that I've been to. It's not only about like learning different techniques of flowers and caring for flowers, but it's also seeing how many people does it take to pull off this event? I mean, you know, how many how many U-Hauls are you running? How many, I need not only people who can arrange flowers, but I need muscle, like, to help me lift. And if, are you going to need people to rig things in the ceiling? And, and that's just been really helpful to have. I mean, I'm sure you do the same thing in, in your business. I mean, you have people that you, that you've become friends with that do something very similar in other cities and you try to, you know, pick their brain and figure out what's working for them. And, I, I wouldn't be able to call Max like he's not really my friend. I think he's my friend because I might message him on Instagram. But I have met lots of people in those classes that I have become really good friends with and keep in touch with. And I'm looking forward to hopefully going back to workshops with them again someday. And I think that's very interesting because, you know, you just hit on some things that people don't really understand behind the scenes of what goes into things. And like what you just said about, you know, having to hang things from the ceiling or, you know, having enough vans to be able to take things and set up and the muscle power behind it. All of those things are part of this. It's just not flowers. It's it's a whole ray of things yeah. that are going on that people have no idea. The flowers, probably like 20% of it is what is so crazy. I mean, it's like, at my first really big wedding, I realized that I had made the bride's bouquet, a mock-up of a table arrangement, and some other little things here and there. But, I mean, mostly the people I had hired had done most of it because you're, you know, it was a big wedding. And so you're, you know, I'm working beforehand doing stuff, but the day of, you're a, you're just problem-solving is what 
is happening. So flowers are kind of become, which is a little like, it makes you a little dejected when you say it, because that's like why you want to do it. And then you get there, there's so much more. I did a, before I like really did anything, I worked, I freelanced for a lot of people and I would go to different cities and help them. I did one wedding that was the craziest thing I had ever seen in my life. And it was like the wedding was at a farm and then the reception was 45 minutes away at a, another place, but they had flown in designers from New York and all over as I was a sweeper. I swept the whole time. I was in charge of the sweepers though. I was like, I was the head cleaner upper. I was the head bucket person. And I was pretty, I mean, I was decent at flowers then, but I wasn't like, I mean, I was low man on the totem pole, but I think she had rented like four U-Hauls for this. And I came home, I'm like, yeah, I just don't know. Like, how do you logistically figure this out? And you have to do spreadsheets. You have to, you know, each arrangement has a recipe, which sounds so crazy, but you have to know when you've got this huge thing, how many flowers are going to go in. I don't make recipes for smaller weddings, but for bigger ones, I mean, how do you know what to order if you don't know what's going to have 20 arrangements? You have to know what's going to go in each one so you can order correctly. It's just... Are you good at math? No. Like, that's, I can build a spreadsheet and I can sum it. You know, I can press the sum button, but I know math is my bane of my existence. But it is interesting because, you know, if someone wanted to do this business, you know, it's, like you said, it's not just about flowers. It's, it's a whole variety of things. How do you learn that? And like you go and you actually become the person that's in charge of cleaning, if you will, sweeping. Yeah. Sometimes you get to learn from the bottom up, which is probably the best way to learn oh, any business. Totally. But going in there and, and learning it, being eye-opening, I can only imagine what that felt like, especially with that particular wedding and venue. It was, it was just really hard work, too. And it was the middle of summer. It was hot. I remember Lachlan was going to... I was meeting her in Mobile for the state tennis tournament. And so I had a couple of cases of water and some Gatorade in my car. And we had run, I mean, we were all dying. It was so hot that weekend. And so we're all throwing around the tennis team's water and Gatorade. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's just, you need to feed your people. You know, like you have to coordinate meals for them. If you're working three days together. Not everyone does, but I like to. I mean, I want people to want to work for me. Now, you also offer flower workshops. Yeah. Do you do this at your home? I have done it at my home, and I I love flower workshops. I probably, I've thought about this a lot. I would love to have another place to do them. So, most of the workshops that I've done have been with groups that I've known that we've set up right. that way, but I don't want to limit that to just people that I know. What's kind of weird about having one in your house is you do feel like you need to be a host as, as well, you know, so you want to have food and drinks and besides just the flowers. So it adds a different, I mean, it's kind of fun, you know, I enjoy that, but like I did one at the flowering ranch, which is a local farm, flower farm the other night, there were probably 14 or 16 people out there and we toured the farm and then we made an arrangement. It, I mean, it's fun. Like, and there's nothing that I love more than seeing people love flowers and being able to create something just for themselves. 
did you teach that class? Mm -hmm. So you work with them. Mm -hmm. She's having several people, like I think four different people teach out there over the month of September and October. I've taught at 1818 before. I've, I loved doing that and they have such a neat business model. And I mean, just. And it's kind of nice having those connections so close to you. Oh yeah. And they've become, I mean, all of them have become friends too. I mean, last summer, I think Natasha, I got, I think I bought ranunculus corns from her when she did her big order. I mean, I don't need 200. She'll order me 25 or I got some tulips. From, she'll order an extra. Which is so, so cool, isn't it? It's so nice. I mean, it's just a, a love of, a love of the outdoors, a love of the flowers. A lo I don't know. It's nice to have them. So you enjoy teaching. I love to teach, yeah. And showing people how to put arrangements together. I do, yeah. I, yeah. So how did you learn to be able to do that? I don't know, because there's really no right or wrong way to do it. It's just the way that I do it. And so once you see someone, I mean, people like overcome a it, well first of all it's hard to arrange in front of people because it's like doing I mean it's like going up to bat when everyone's watching you I mean you're on stage a little bit or at least people feel like they are but they're really not but it's just once you give people a few little tips then they feel like they have this confidence that they can create something and what I think is beautiful you might not and what you think is beautiful I, I might and that's really okay. It's still beautiful. You know, it's still beautiful. So it's like, I don't know. I just really enjoy having people, even if they pick up a thing of grocery store flowers, instead of just sticking it in a vase, if they could just take some time to maybe trim a few of the stems a little shorter or put, grab some, you know, azalea from your front yard and it makes it look kind of yeah. of the garden. I well, mean, and tips like that. I mean, just like you said, you know, if you wanted to stop and get something, maybe these little tips just can spruce it up just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a little bit to make you feel comfortable doing it. Like I always say, we're probably having pizza for, for dinner at my house, but my table's going to look good. I mean, yeah. you know, like I'm not scared to... Well, and your table can always look good because you have a flower garden at your home. I do. You have a variety of flowers, and I'm just curious because this flower garden is kind of, I, I think it's kind of special because you've brought flowers in from different yards. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And yeah, like I think flowers really are sentimental. Like I think it's similar to how people feel about music, how when you hear a song, it can take you back to like being in your driving for the first time, you know, like, or, yeah. you know, what you listen to in college or, and I think flowers for me have that same, or cooking, you know, like you can smell something. And I think cooking has that same sense and I think flowers do the same thing for a lot of people and I brought a lot from Aniston um, from my mom's yard and then I have several friends that we all swap things back and forth um, my yard you might it's not really fancy at all and it's not now my friend Leslie has helped me really she's more of a she's got a really good design like yard design like and she helps me anchor things because I might be like, oh, I love that. And I buy one of them. And, you know, she's like, oh, don't do that. You need, you know, I have no plan for it. And then I go move something. But I just want to kind of trial and error, see if it works. Yeah. She's kind of helped me edit my yard a little bit because I just want to throw everything. Now, my front yard's pretty manicured, but my backyard is like an explosion. This is the best story. 
is my um, my friend Wendy and I were at a botanical garden when our girls were little. Like we were in strollers. They were in strollers. We weren't. But um, I had a razor phone, a razor phone, a flip phone, and we saw this plant, and we both loved it, and it didn't have a tag on it. So I sent a picture to my mom. I'll never forget, like on the little razor, you know, the phone that, and I'm like, what is this? And um, the next week, she showed up with garbage bags full of it from her yard, and it's Solomon Seal, which is really my favorite little plant, but she put, Wendy has some, and I have some, so every year that it comes up, you know, we're all sending pictures back and forth about how it's, you know, how it's coming up. So that's what a lot of the yard really is to me, more Which so is than... so wonderful. Well, it's a way, it's like an heirloom a little bit. I, a good friend that, a radiologist that I loved and worked for, he loved his yard. And when he died, he was went to church with us. And I gathered flowers from all of his friends' yards to put in there because it had no rhyme or reason to it. It was just whatever was kind of worked at the time but I just think that that's kind of I don't know I just think it's a way to honor yeah uh, honor people or honor you know I don't know and I've never thought about it before until I read your story and I thought that is that's powerful well I you know it's just you kind of when you when you start to I mean my husband loves music so it's like songs bring him he relates to everything through songs and where he was when he heard this song, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I can tell you when the Queen Anne's Lace is blooming here because that's, you know, it's just right. how we're all different and things like that. So a lot of these flowers come back the following year. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so most of them? No. Are... Well, like I'll do, there. I do a lot of seeds, but I fail with that more so. That's the thing about gardening. You just have to be okay with failure. I mean, like it's just... Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we get too much rain. Sometimes it's, the summers are too hot. Some, You know, like you just have to be okay with, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty lucky when something comes, when it really, when the flowers come back. A lot of things you go in, perennials, you know, you hope come back. Most of them do, but most of cut flowers that don't, I mean, I guess not most of them, but a lot of them don't. So it's just, do you start from seed or do you, try to get them in plugs that are a little bit bigger, like Natasha and Dina do a lot of plugs. So like they come in, you know how pansies come in little six packs, like you can get plugs of like flowers that have like 64 in them. So they've, it's like they've started the seeds for you. So they get you through the painful process of seed starting. Okay. So you, you do work with flower farms all over. Yeah. Not just here, but around the world. Yeah. Like, so yeah. how, how did you make connections outside of Huntsville? Well, my biggest whole, like the wholesaler, the one that I use the most, I had bought an online class from a, a business, a flower business online class. This, her wholesaler, she gave us her wholesaler's name. And so I just made a connection with the rep. Your rep is really important because like I could call Mayesh or DV Flora or any of the big wholesalers, but depending on who you get, if you don't build a good relationship with them, what is weird is like my blush might be your pink. Our colors might not, like if they say a flower's plum ranuncula, I mean, it could show up purple, which is not deep and you know, it could be. Okay. So you really want like the person I use, she always sends me really good pictures, like when she pulls the things and I know after we've worked together for so many times, 
I know what she's going to send me is going to look good. Okay. So like color, if I'm doing color for a wedding, it's super hard because that's my favorite, but it's hard because not everyone speaks the same color language. So you have to hopefully get them to send you pictures or like for a wedding I had, I ordered pink orchids, hot pink orchids. Well, they were purple. So you've got $500 worth of purple orchids that are you going to make them work? Or, I mean, and they're like, well, that's hot pink. And I'm like, well, that's purple. More times than not, it works. But if it doesn't, it's bad. That's what I have worked really hard on is trying to figure out how to do color right. And having that expertise is, is obviously very, very important. And another thing that people just don't really understand uh, about your business. Yeah. It's, behind the scenes yeah. and all that goes into it. You know, one time your son uh, was coaching against me in a very simple, I thought, friendly flag football game. But uh, I'm pretty sure that they won the championship game because of you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, the people listening to this just will have to trust me on this one. You are very competitive. How did you become so competitive, and why are you so competitive, and how has that helped this business? Well, I'm competitive with myself, really. Now, the weatherly side is my sister was probably a competitive tennis player, and my dad was a competitive golfer. Now, Frederick is super competitive. (laughs) Like, he likes to win. I mean, he does. I know. That is on his resume. (laughs) You know, <laughs> winning flag winning football. Yeah, Alabama. flag flag football volunteer coach. <laughs> we had to dig deep for some resume things. Yeah, he he does like to win, and I I mean, but I'm not competitive with other flower businesses. Like I I mean, I feel like the community over competition is really. I have a one of my really best friends is, I guess, is my competitor. I don't know. I never see her as a competitor. I mean. I, we call each other flower friends, but like she's really like a dear friend of mine, but I'm so happy for her success. My mom always said comparison is the thief of joy. So I really try to think about that in this business. Like I want to be the best buckets and blooms can be, but I'm pretty happy for all my other flower people to be successful. So you are really competitive with yourself and making buckets and blooms the best it can be. Yeah. So when you see something, you just are going to be the best that it possibly can, and you're just going to keep going until it's, yeah, you know, it forever is. and ever and ever. Well, I'm, um, I'm a one on the Enneagram. I'm, a ref- I'm not a perfectionist, but I'm a reformer. I am constantly trying to reform or come up with better ways to do things, be a better flower order, or be, you know, more efficient in my, in my work time and how to do all of that. But, yeah, I'm really not competitive I just want to be better, my business to be better. You just want to crush the opponent I want on to the opposing take, team. Well, now I want to beat, in <laughs> Alabama football, yeah, I'm pretty competitive. <laughs> of course, but, well, you know, I wouldn't expect yeah, anything different. Yes, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so, you know, your business is obviously about quality. Quality is your number one thing. Mm-hmm. You're always learning. You're always going to workshops around the country, possibly the world. Yeah, I hope so, like soon. What have you learned about really wanting to be the best of the best in this industry? I think as long as you stay engaged and you deliver 
like I always want to exceed people's expectations of me at a wedding. I mean, or an, any event. Like I, I, I could probably get my feelings hurt if I don't hear from someone the next day. I mean, that's my problem. That's not, I don't expect it, but like, I want to deliver something so great and so much better than they had even thought. Well, and you know, it is a service that you're doing, so it's very personal. So just like with any service, whatever it is that you're doing, you're putting yourself out there and that can be scary. Yeah. What has been your best experience being an entrepreneur? I would really say the people that I have met and the other creatives, I am so blown away by what people can do and their talents. People that can rig things on the ceiling, like people that can, like I wish that are MacGyvers, that are building these contraptions for us to put the flowers around, you know, just the people that make invitations and calligraphy. And I mean, I've just really enjoyed seeing what's out there and people really honing their crafts. What has been your greatest challenge of being a small business owner? I stink at finance. I mean, I stink at billing. I stink at invoicing. I stink at the computer. Like I get really overwhelmed. I probably, I can't even say how many emails I have in my inbox because I got a message from Google that I needed to I was at my max storage like you know if I had it to do all over again I mean my the email I use for my business is just my gmail because I did have buckets plus blooms as my domain that just didn't work because I'm buckets and blooms so buckets plus bloom does not go together you know like so I'm a near miss on some of that stuff and I'm pretty sure if I would let him my husband would step in and do all of that for me but I'm just kind of like, I'll survive. I mean, I just hate for him to, he would probably be pretty good at it, but, and he would be more than happy to help me. You know, and I think that's another great thought is that, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, there is a piece of it that you're going to love. And there's always going to be that piece that you just dread to do. But, you know, it takes all of it to be successful. You know, don't ever think that you can only do 20% where there's another 80% of it. You have to take it all into consideration when going into business for yourself. Oh, you have to. I mean... There's so much to a business. Yeah. But if you love it, do it. Just know that there's going to be things that you are going to have to do. Yeah. I mean, I want to play with flowers all day. I want to go pick them in my yard and make pretty things and, you know, but someone... You got to pay your American Express bill. Right. I mean, like... I mean... Uh, All right. Well, what advice would you give to others wanting to open up a business like yours? Um, I would just say do your research. I mean, be open to really learning and seeing what works, but don't be scared to do your own thing. Don't feel like you have to be someone else and be okay with where you are and kind of your area and your town and your city and just um, know your audience well. Decide who your client is and go after that client. Okay. Something that you mentioned earlier, you were talking about how expensive some of these workshops are. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of touch base on workshops? How much do they generally cost? Well, it depends on like a week-long thing, like on the West Coast is probably like probably $4,000. And it's not a week. It's probably like three or four days. Okay. 
I guess. I mean, I can't even remember. And you get now. a lot out of those workshops. Oh my gosh, just the connections you make and the resources. It's not really the flowers that it's the people that are there who's teaching it, seeing the process of how they're doing it, and then just the connections with the other attendees because most of the attendees are are pretty similar to you. But you could go do a day somewhere for a lot less. I mean, if you, a lot of people will offer a day workshop or I've done a couple of one-on-ones with like designers that I kind of admired that I thought, oh, well, you know, I can get to them and just spend some one-on-one time with them. But I really enjoyed my time on the, my couple times out to the West Coast. I've done that three times and I, I like that a lot. And I guess you would tell people to take as many of those workshops as possible because you're going to learn something different each time, right? Well, yeah. And I think at the beginning, it's like whatever, if you can't afford to go do like a four-day workshop out there, I think you should try to spend time with people that are willing, like go work a wedding, like, but probably not in the city where you're trying to build your business. Go find other places, you know, because it's kind of, I mean, there's enough room for lots of different designers everywhere, but it just seems like it, I mean, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes here. I wanted to go other places to learn. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go apprentice from someone here thinking that I'm going to take their, their business. And I guess that's just part of respect. Yeah. You probably learning the way they do certain things out West, you probably brought some of that back here, right? Some of your style may be different because of that. Probably. I mean, some of the techniques I learned, I guess, or the way I look at different flowers, but there's so many different styles to do flowers, which sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, I mean, just like with anything there are, but yeah, I think some of their styling is a little, how they do it is a little differently. It just makes you, the little nuggets you can get from anywhere and then bring them back and make them work for your client. Um, Because our world now is, I mean, it's all, I mean, everyone, I mean, in Huntsville, Alabama is looking at Lake Tahoe weddings and seeing what's going on there. It's not like it's any Different than what it used to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, so we can all see it. It's just, can we, you know, do you want, do you even want it? Like a Huntsville, Alabama wedding, they might not really want to look like what they're doing in I, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. just... Everybody's different. Yeah, it's everyone is super different. Yeah. It's like people wear white after Labor Day now. Oh, I've got a white jeans. So, you know... Yeah, I mean, I but know. it's, you know, it's... Times are different. Yeah, it's different. Than they ever have been. So, people kind of have their yeah. own style and do yeah. what they want. Haven't you seen that? Oh, so, totally. I mean, yeah. and you know, um, another thing is I've done, like, I've bought two or three online workshops that have been great. And if I made as a company that just is a production company that hosts other creatives and they sell these workshops, they're great. I mean, they're, they're kind of pricey too. But if you see someone that you really like and you want like their style and, you know, a lot of times the one that I got was a Sinclair Amore they're some of my all-time favorites. Like, I really would love to go out there and see behind the scenes how they do a wedding or an event. He had a great online class, and I didn't really want it for his design because I can see that on Instagram. I wanted it for his resources. Like, where is he getting all of his vessels? Where is he getting these cool candles that I can't find anywhere? Where is he getting, you know, that? And they give you PDF with all the resources. So, and when someone asks me, like, where'd you get that vase? And if 
it's something I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, you know, I'm like, <laughs> right. I, it's like, it's a trade secret. I mean, not really, yeah, but, but you know, but it secret. is, you know, you kind of think like I've spent a lot of time and money investing, right. How to find yeah. some resources. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty generous with my knowledge. I'm not saying yeah. that, but you oh, know, I know you are. yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm pretty much an open book, but I'm just saying <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> Well, we know that you love flowers and that you will not let anybody win against your kids. For yeah, sure. I know so. we'll take all the kids down. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to this interview? I don't think so. I think I've told you way too much. This is awesome. This yeah. has been incredible. Thank you. So I'm glad that you said yes to the interview because you are just one of those extraordinary people. So, or you've said to me a couple of times, I don't know if I'm really an entrepreneur. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is you are an entrepreneur. You are the epitome of entrepreneurship. Um, I think it's funny that you still hesitate with that term. I don't and know. I think an entrepreneur is a risk taker. And I might have been a risk taker, but I don't really think I am now. I think well, I'm everything's pretty... a risk. So, yeah, I guess. Know, um, I mean... You know, because this business didn't have to take off, but you took it to where it needed to be, when it needed to be. And I think that that says... Well, a lot about your competitiveness, <laughs> I guess. So, but you are definitely an entrepreneur. You know, I love and appreciate you. Thank you so much. This is, I love you and your family so much. And over the years, like what you guys have done for Huntsville is so awesome. <laughs> well, you're yeah. kind. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank Charlotte you. Wessel, owner of Buckets and Blooms, another great Alabama entrepreneur. And thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. That was fun. If you want to enhance your experiences throughout the great state of Alabama, I urge you to seek out locally owned small businesses. They will certainly increase your happiness. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving it a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening.